This episode of Talking Simpsons is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. And you listeners right now can go to caspertrial.com slash laser time to get $50 towards any new mattress. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons coming to you live from Chuggalug House. I'm your host, Head B Guy Bob Mackey, and this is the Laser Time Podcast Network's chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Uh, Henry Gilbert, wallet inspector. <laughs> uh, and powerful friend Chris Antista. Wait a minute. That's not the wallet inspector. <laughs> and uh, today's episode is Homer Goes to College. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean SMART. <laughs> which aired on October 14th, 1993, and Chris will tell us what happened on this mythical day in Simpsons history. It's going to be exciting. F.W. Woolworths begins shutting down its unprofitable chain of variety stores. Uh, the world is in love with Demolition Man, and a five-year-old starts a trailer park fire that takes the life of his sister, and Ohio officials are blaming Beavis and Butthead. Oh, no. Wow. And it turned out that family didn't even have cable. Didn't have cable. I What's heard about that much later. Well, that's it's, in your home mm-hmm. state. And I, I went shopping at Woolworths a lot as a child, and my grandma in the in the late 80s, early 90s would continually still call it the dime store, yeah. and that always confused me as a kid. Like, everything here is it's, like, it costs more than a, that, Grandma. There's a ton of shit in this episode. I don't think my generation's special, but makes me feel, like, cuspy. <laughs> because I, ha- I remember Woolworths right before they completely went away yeah. and i also remember the dawn of the internet which is in this episode yeah oh, yeah um, like, uh, this is a very special episode mm-hmm. in that i mean this was also the episode i see myself in quite a lot <laughs> i am those nerds oh. like i think I, we we are we are all the three nerds i just love how yes, how expanded the, the definition of nerds has to be from just these guys yeah but i also I, if i can give a personal anecdote uh this is an episode that made me fall in love with bob Bob? You, you. Me? You, Bob Mackey. Oh, I think I know of why. Wow, Bob Mackey fame. I was like, Sideshow Bob? Bob the used about, car salesman? You no. wrote about this episode somewhere, and I don't even think ah, yes. I knew you yet. Oh, yeah, but, you can actually, that post is still up. I wrote it in August of 2010. It's called Animation Showcase, Homer Goes to College. It's on Dead Homer Society. Yeah, and it was Which not, is a website Chris loves, by ha, the way. Well, I don't have anything against <laughs> it. I know, you just didn't I, like Zombie Simpsons. I just, I just don't like a, a, a making a sport out of complaining about the Simpsons. Oh, yeah. There's, well, I mean, I, I kind of got tired of that shtick. They only have 10 great seasons. <laughs> How dare they? No, no offense to the Zombie mm. Simpsons author if they're listening, but mm. my biggest issue with it, uh, which... I did think he made a good argument that the author did until I got to the point where like and season nine is where it really fell apart. Like starting with the weird uh, episode of the World Trade Center and then this and then he tried to blame it on Mike Scully. I was like, no, see, yeah, boop. You, you, if you're going to actually try to blame it on the showrunner, you need to pick the right showrunner. In retrospect, Mike Scully was an all-too-convenient scapegoat for a lot of the problems happening with the I show. I put it more on Ian Maxstone Graham than Yeah, him, a little anyway. bit. He seemed to be the most spiteful and willing to just yes. toss it onto the fire. But, but it, yeah, like, kill Maud Flanders for no good reason. Yeah. I've always loved this episode. Written by Conan O'Brien, I believe. You see the credit Written writer? Written by Conan O'Brien, directed by Jim Reardon. Jim Reardon. Yeah. This is an all-time classic, a start yeah. of a new era for yeah. The Simpsons. Yeah, I guess talk. it I guess a so. lot about last but episode. There's still not a lot of episodes like this. The animated flourishes I always notice, but you yes. wrote an article pointing them out, like how many 
Simpsons doesn't do smears and uh, squash and stretches. And crazy off-model poses yeah. that are very expressive. Yeah, I feel like this is the most animated episode next to this year's Halloween special, which will yeah. happen in a few episodes. Oh. Uh, if you go to that if you go to that uh, blog post, it's still up, read it. I, I took so many screen caps yeah. off my DVD. Frankie Act did not exist. Yeah. Just wow. of all of the extreme poses, all of these great like keyframes of characters yeah. that I'm sure made Matt Groening's head spin mm-hmm. because he did not but care they, for that. They, I mean, it's not a twister mouth, and it's not someone from an opera perspective everybody right it's just the movement is they like, pop between these these odd poses not odd i would say more extreme than we're used to yeah. but it well, looks good and i wish every episode looked like this. me too yes there you go like you said disney squatch and stretch it mm. is like homer especially yeah. is made out of jelly mm. i i think it's most of him running down the running down the, the sewer the hallway yeah, yeah. the sewer yeah that was amazing. Or turning in his paper. It's just a beautiful flourish. Yes. <laughs> the but, little dance, like, yeah. and kicking his heels and, like, skipping away. Yeah, it's, just it, so it, many nice little touches. It looks touches. almost like a different show or, like, how a movie would have looked yeah. if it were made in 1993. It's more, it's better animated than the Simpsons movie, which looks better than the show at the <laughs> yes. time it was airing. Which Reardon and Richmore, all the major yeah. dudes worked on it, but they still were stuck in more of the rules of the Simpsons by 2007 than they were now. Mm-hmm. Why did this seem, seem to break so many rules? Just because this is the first episode of the I new, also think it was well. It's actually production-wise, it is the second episode huh, right, of the new right. generation, but it is the first one of the real fifth season we're talking about. I do wonder if Reardon had more freedom because of the change in management. Yeah, I wonder if Reardon, Reardon went rogue, or Graining was busy, or just. Yeah. Maybe they decided to experiment. Didn't know that I don't know. Wasn't the rules? Yeah, and he could break the rules that David Merkin didn't know about. And by season six, they're more in order. I feel like because I think he got to know better. Of like, no, no, no. I asked you to draw this, or I asked you to draw this. Like redo this, and maybe yeah, maybe Algene and Mike Reese knew what uh, Graining's buttons were and what would push mm-hmm. them, and Merkin didn't as much at this point. So David Merkin, yes. let's talk Wait, about it. one final thing. Okay, we are finally free from the tyranny of awful DVD menus. If you're watching yeah. the DVDs, these are you click a button, it goes to the episode, and the animations you can watch them. They're all very well done. They're like little Easter eggy things. You can you can poke on things in the background, and the and animations they don't will make play. You watch them, yeah. to Do it like it's uh, it's so much better. And it actually looks like animation from the show, not this cheapo flash crap they were yeah. like shoving in our faces in season four. I just want to say, I mean, I mean, I don't think anyone's watching these DVDs, but they were the first good DVD menus. Well. They they finally started putting a real budget into the menus, which is good because, you know, Simpsons, Simpsons and Family Guy were the first real big hits of DVD t- t- television. Oh, yeah. Family like, Guy came back, I think, because of DVD sales. Yeah, the DVD sales and Futurama as well. Like those were those are the big yeah. hits that did it. And and the Simpsons and Chappelle show, that was another mm. of the big hits of the early 2000s, like the, the DVDs people would buy before streaming was everything. And I, you would actually think this it's for nothing. The, it's how people ended up discovering HBO programming for the most yeah. part. I, yeah. they, to me, they invented the, the phrase, which doesn't matter at all anymore, <laughs> the complete blank season. That's oh, right. They would yeah. always label it as complete. And that just... became something everybody did. And I would see them in Suncoast, Sopranos, the complete first season for maybe mm-hmm. $200 or something. They, they started out at 89 to $100. Yeah, they were pretty expensive. I mean, I did that myself. Of I didn't see the first season of Sopranos. And it was the I think that might have been the first time I heard a new season of this show is mm-hmm. coming catch up and rent these DVDs from Blockbuster. And oh, I did man, that. It was like, awful because Netflix had their own exclusive HBO DVD sussing. Yeah. So you get like an episode, like this disc has one episode of The Wire <laughs> because we're here to punish Netflix. <laughs> uh, but all right, I want to talk about David Merkin. Oh, let's David do Merkin. it. Yeah, let's get into Homer it. Homer goes to college. We're we, back. We touched on it a little bit in our interview with Bill Oakley mm-hmm. that him and Josh Weinstein were two of the four 
writers that were left over between seasons and mm. when everybody else left. David Merkin was hired to take over the series. He had never worked in animation before, mm. but he has quite a resume, if I may go through it real quick. So, David Merkin is a longtime comedy writer and then grew into being a director. One of his first shows was Three's Company. That's how seven. old he is. <laughs> yes, he, he, he even talks about on one commentary that he had a cat. <laughs> he had a cat that lived to be 20 that he adopted from being on... There was an episode with cats on Three's Company, where uh, they had, and he's like, "Well, I'll take home one of these cats." And I think they, the cat's name was TC. It was TC. Was yeah. the name of his cat? We watch the commentaries a lot. I, I I feel like those fans talking to William Shatner in that classic SNL sketch. Ah, do you remember? Um... The Hordes actually had a bet full now. But anyway, so he worked on those sitcoms into the '80s when sitcoms were getting weirder and different mm-hmm. he was on the vanguard of those shows he worked on the gary Shand- it's the gary shandling show which also mm-hmm. gene and reese worked on i just found out gene and reese wrote the series finale of that oh, show wow. though the shandling show went it purposely absurd went out of order it had its real final episode two episodes before its last episode and at the end of the final episode then they say no no no, gary you owe us three more <laughs> and so the real last episode that didn't function as the last episode was written by al Jean and mike reese i need to get around to watching that so dave merkin worked on that he then worked on the tracy ullman show made a friendship with james l brooks oh uh, then he that's how you get places baby he was asked to oh oh before shambling though he got really big working on Newhart, the second bob Newhart show which is a crazy bonker show yeah you can see the absurdity the the dream sequences the 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 satire of television all that stuff that Merkin is known for is right there in and his seasons that had the inf- infamous series finale correct it did have another crazy what happened finale. in that uh, it was a Bob Newhart had two sitcoms right and at the conclusion of a second sitcom he woke up and realized he was. In his still, still in his first, he was a dream sequence and within that, his first. The entire series was a dream. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. David Merkin loves screw you audience jokes. He we should say it. that right off the bat. And, and mm-hmm. so then, after he finished the time with Tracy Ullman, Gary Shandling said, "I want to do a show that parodies talk shows. Mm-hmm. I want to do the Larry Sanders show." And he wanted to co-create it uh, with Merkin, but he Merkin didn't want to be that involved with it, so he just helped write in the first season and came back to direct the final it, episode. That, that is is such. If you haven't heard Thirty Twenty Ten, hear me exult. <laughs> Larry Sanders show is so great, so great. But his big moment mm-hmm. came in nineteen ninety. The show he made instead of the Larry Sanders show was Get a Life. Wow! Yes, Get a Life, <laughs> a two season wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, a million years ahead of its time, mm-hmm. he created it with Chris Elliott and Adam Resnick. As the story goes, he had the idea for Get a Life, which is Dennis the Menace, except he is a 30-year-old man-child who won't leave home and who thinks reality is television. Yeah, and I think having worked, it's sort of like John Chris Felusi worked mm-hmm. on a lot of terrible animated shows and he wanted to get his revenge with Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. I think this was him getting his revenge on working on bad sitcoms like oh, Three's yeah. Company. Like, I want to subvert the sitcom, I want to say fuck you to the sitcom, and this is the anti-sitcom. And it gets darker and darker yeah. each episode. He repeatedly dies in the second season at the yeah. end of every episode, like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, South Park, good good idea. Get a life did it seven years before you. So uh, just, there's yeah. an episode where he goes to New York and they don't bother to like hide that it's I'm just walking in front of a green screen. It's yeah. not just the a green screen, it's it's vintage footage of a city from the forties. <laughs> it's been so long since I've watched yes, that episode. It's so good. It's I went so I remember good. I got in trouble because I went to school and I I quoted a line from it and like, oh, you must be one of those filthy prostitutes. May uh, I uh, slip uh, me a Mickey? And I got 
my te- my teacher was very upset with me. And then it Am Chris, I the only one who has like a, a blame Chris Elliott uh, <laughs> as a kid story? Well, and it Chris it really le- leaned hard into Chris Elliott being a just weirdo that you're mm-hmm. just like, "Ugh, why am I looking at you?" that and it, he and Chris Elliott really embraces that. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, his performance on that show is amazing. There are some elements of the show that don't hold up. No. There is this like a shrewish woman character that is just there for the men to yell at. Yes. And I feel like that's an element that is of its time, but the zany Chris Elliott adventures where he's just a detached lunatic whose life is informed by television <laughs> yeah. is the the key to what what makes a show great, I think. Yeah, I did and not know Merkin was involved. Yeah. yeah, and well, Elliot and Resnick were the more famous pair of it. Elliot the star and Adam Resnick who worked with him a ton of stuff who when the show ended in the second season Elliot and Resnick split off from Merkin, and they went to make Cabin Boy, which everyone Classic. loved. It was loved. supposed to be a Tim Burton movie, yes. and poor Adam Resnick was kind of forced into directing <laughs> can it. Can you do Tim Burton movies? <laughs> yes. And Not even Tim Burton can do Tim Burton movies now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was unfair. Yeah. It was unfairly hated. People were looking at Chris Elliott like, why is this guy in a movie? How I am outraged. There's, there's moments of that I, I love, that movie I love. I had the poster in my room forever. Yes, for real. Uh, the immortal line, these pipes are clean. Yes. After Would he, you like yeah. to buy a monkey? <laughs> and and now rewatching, I rewatched a couple episodes to get a life before this episode. Mm-hmm. And rewatching it makes me realize that Eagleheart is is so connected to it. Like huh. it is you gotta watch Eagleheart Eagle if you're listening. Season three <laughs> is the, the biggest craziest mindfuck. I can't believe they Eagleheart made it. Eagleheart is honestly, I could call it the best thing that's ever been on Adult Swim. I would go I that far. That. Yeah, it is the first two. So it began. Kind of, so here's the similarities to Get a Life. It was Underwatched, starred Chris Elliott, and mocked television. And mm-hmm. it started as a parody of Walker, Walker Trex's Stranger. By the fourth episode, it grew to something bigger than that ever could be. And yes. the third season is a <laughs> ten-chapter-long arc that tells an entire story that huh. makes sense, but also makes no fucking yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, the character in that, Eagleheart, whatever his name is, I forget. Is it actually Chris Eagleheart? Monsanto. Okay, his name is Chris. He's Chris Peterson, but he kills people yes. in that yeah. series. He's the same character. <laughs> and, and also produced by Conan O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, back, so back to Merkin. Mm-hmm. After the, oh, also the second season of Get a Life was, it was the comedy nerd show, a oh, proto-comedy nerd yeah. show. Was, Dear God. And it got Bob Odenkirk and uh, Charlie, Charlie Kaufman, Kaufman and yeah. writers on it, among others. And Anomalies, of Anomalisa fame. So <laughs> following that. I'm never going to say that again. No. <laughs> so following that, David Merkin tries to make a sitcom on NBC with his then-girlfriend Julie Brown, the white Julie Brown. Oh, that's why she was on the first episode of Get a Life. Yeah. Wow, I didn't I didn't know they were married no, or dating. I don't think he's ever Man. been married. Of Earth Girls are easy fame? Yes. I'm in love with Julie Brown still. <laughs> and so then he makes a sketch show with her on Fox mm-hmm. called The Edge. The Edge is a is a strange, bizarre... I like to think of it as in living color for white people. It's, but, I mean, it has a diverse cast. Yes. It, it, including yeah. a new Lots one. of women. And, and, but... It has, I think, more than one tie-over, and this makes it real weird, from the PBS sketch comedy show Square One. Wow. So, so like, the people I grew up to taught me math were then in 90s Fox edgy mm-hmm. sketches as well as uh, uh, Tom Kenny and Jill Talley from Mr. Show yeah. Wayne yep. Knight Jennifer Aniston is in a sketch comedy show before Friends yeah. and yeah. this is it and also Bill Plimpton animation 
uh, separates every sketch. Like connector. Yeah, when a sketch ends, when the sketch ends, it turns into a Bill Plimpton animation, then it morphs into a cartoon, and then it morphs back into the next sketch. It's like a Tracy Almany show thing. If I can find this on, uh, I'll put it on LaserTime TV. You can find it at LaserTimePodcast.tv.com slash live. Uh, Just so you know, we've been playing Critic and Duckman and a bunch of old cartoons there. Streaming live every day. I had not watched it when it was new. Mm -hmm. I dug up a few. There's very few poor VHS copies on Mm. YouTube. That's pretty much it. But I I did watch it. I just I I watched one that was a sketch about designing women, which is so specifically to mock a late season designing women. And she's a giant at the end. They kicked Delta Burke off the show, and it's making fun of that they kicked Delta Burke off. I watched it over the credits. Yeah, and it ends with her being Godzilla sized and Mm -hmm. eating the cast because. Delta Burke is that fat. But she seems so happy. <laughs> In retrospect, she's not really that fat. <laughs> no! She was just fat for TV, I, mean, I guess. Yes, she was fat TV. I'm fatter than oh, she is. Yeah, we're all fat. <laughs> not Bob. I want a TV ugly, not ugly ugly. Uh, but he, on the show... He had one sketch that made fun of the fact that Tori Spelling got to be on a show her father created, mm-hmm. and that's the only reason she had a job. Aaron Spelling talked to the Fox Network and was not happy at all about that. Uh-huh. And coincidentally... The budget got really slashed hard on the edge, and huh. its 18th and final episode was a best of clip show. Wow, they oh, made 18. Damn. <laughs> and so, How do you make a best of of a sketch comedy show? <laughs> so that ends, and then he gets hired by James L. Brooks, his old co-worker mm-hmm. at Allman, to work on The Simpsons wow. and, be, and take over the show. Rebuild it. Famously, we talked about on the episode, uh, the Bigger Brother episode, that was the episode James L. Brooks showed Merkin and said, we don't want another one like this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is too crazy. Yeah. Which, honestly, when you, when you think of this episode, you're like, oh, I don't think he listened. Like, <laughs> it is that crazy. Jim and, Brooks was doing other things after this. He and, was kind of off the show. And to skip ahead with Merkin, he would then go on to... His big thing after this was directing the film adaptation of Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, which was created by Lisa Kudrow, who he'd known mm-hmm. from the L.A. comedy scene. And he directed that film. And Romy and Michelle... Rome, well, okay. Romy and Michelle were characters created by Lisa Kudrow and her writing partner, who was the like original. Second City? In Second City. Okay. And so they were characters. They didn't make that film, mm-hmm. but they adapted their characters Got it. into their material, a film. Yeah. Their material into a film. And that's what Merkin did with them. Mm-hmm. And Merkin has worked on other things, but he's honestly, he's an old, he's in his 60s now. Yeah. He would talk about that in the 2000s. Wow. He would just fly he would just come in a couple days a week to just help rewriting episodes of the simpsons and be like the joke sounding board and he worked on the movie as well mm. yeah so that's merkin but if i may say something about merkin if so I may yes judge i love him. this show so that's two-thirds of a <laughs> show from two years ago Oh, we're just getting into it <laughs> but okay so the here's how i would d- talk about david merkin the person is that mm. He is related to, he is involved in a million things I have loved. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved Newhart as a kid, and mm-hmm. it's 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 all really well. It's Gary Shandling's show, yeah. Larry Sanders' show, yeah. Get a Life, yeah. The Simpsons, oh, yeah. Romeo and Michelle. Like it. But he's always the guy with the person you like. And, yeah. and I'm also going to say, oh, I don't want to make the, it The Chris Antista of television. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. But that he's, he's always involved in these things, and then not... I don't think, other than Gary Shandling, I don't think any of them worked with him again. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's telling. It's especially so that my er example for this, other than hearing from Bill Oakley, who did have nice things to say mm-hmm. about Bill, uh, Dave Merkin, but when he came on, that there were clashes with everybody. We'll mm-hmm. really talk about it then in, home, in Deep Space Homer. Oh, for sure, yeah. But 
that they had clashes with him and that he is a kind of a controlling guy, it sounded like. Which, hey, he's running The Simpsons. It sounds like he's one of those cutthroat old Hollywood guys who goes in and gets a show done. But, But so the, the thing that says to me that he might not be the best dude, or to work with at least, is that... Adam Resnick and Chris Elliott talk around him in interviews about Get a Life. They never mention him. Yes. Huh. The only time they mention him is when they say they don't work with him. Pretty or when much. When they ask, like, "Hey, why is he's why is he on the commentaries and you're not?" And they make it clear, like, it was either we do it, we do it without him, or he does it without us. Damn. We don't do. Yeah. It without and so. in the Simpsons oral history book, there's a story about how the writer, uh, the new writer for seasons five and six, Bob Cushell, mm-hmm. was basically ghosted at work because he um, kind of called Merkin out on something. We'll get. We'll, I can tell that story when we get to the episode. It's about. It's about mm. the critic episode. Mm. There was a lot of discussion about that. Merkin wanted it to happen. A lot of writers didn't, and it was pretty heated. And, mm. and something happened, and Bob kind of uh, didn't get to write anything after that, and then. They ran out of contracts, so yeah. Yeah, but so, and I would define Merkin as a man who both is enthralled by and loathes television. Exactly, yeah. He loves television and working in it, but he hates that he loves it and wants to punish it for it. He really hates censors and mm-hmm. feeling censored by television. And I think and, the trademark of his jokes is disrupting your expectations completely, <laughs> even yes. if it disappoints you, even if it's like, that's that sucks, like, that, that's such a bad payoff. That's, like, the, the joke is that he did it. And, and, and that you're watching and that it. you can't make him do a better job. Yeah. We try and bring you back to this era all the time, though, but like this this era of four channels that are all playing the same garbage. <laughs> and like it's inescapable, but you watch every second of it. It's why I, I yell at everyone like, new season of Fuller House. Like, you don't actually like that show. <laughs> you don't. It was just the oxygen that was piped in your eyeballs. It was better than the three other things you could yeah, have it, watched for yeah. It was never and... good. And you spent 10 years enduring it. And so imagine being slightly older, and that's all the world was. Like, mm-hmm. this is what they're giving me. I'll watch it. I can't stand yeah. it. And as I said to Bill Oakley in our interview, which, mm-hmm. by the way, this is our first one we recorded mm-hmm. after the interview uh, chronologically. But as I asked him in the interview, I do I define the Merkin era Homer mm-hmm. as the indestructible crazy person. That's true. That, we that, see a lot of that in this episode, especially actually. Especially yeah. in this episode. And yeah. that's not what Oakley and Weinstein were into. And you can get a real feel on their commentaries. They're like... We didn't want Homer to be this. Or we, <laughs> yeah. they, they mentioned We're dialing their, this back a bit. They mentioned in their season seven commentaries, they're like, we don't want to be Homer walking down the street with a ray gun. And yeah. It's like, it's pretty close in this episode. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So that's my thoughts on Dave Merkin. I, but all that, all that negativity I said... His seasons, five and six, are oh, my two favorite seasons. Yeah, I would say, I uh, if you listen to the commentaries, he's a very dominant force. And you could a tell he is very dominant in season five. I feel like six is better because he gets to ease off a bit. And yeah. Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein's style sort of creep into the show more because a, a showrunner gets more tired in their second year. That's how yeah. it used to work. Happened to them, too. Yes, exactly. And I feel like the mix of him and them is the perfect show. And that's why I love six so much. That is a better balance, yeah. Well, we'll see how I feel by the end of season six in the year uh-huh. but, uh, but so okay this is also an end of an area in that it is Conan O'Brien's final episode which the commentary sucks because it's just, just about, about Conan, Conan. Yeah. it's what just all the Conan, Conan commentaries are he, like, this he one like skypes so. in and they only they only just talk about they share Conan stories which are nice but they're almost never about the episode but he quit the show he quit Simpsons for his show during mm. the making of this episode and mm. so all they do is talk about how Conan quit that's also <laughs> why it's a real star fucker commentary because James L. Brooks actually shows up <laughs> yes. to be like hey Conan <laughs> no like that sounded really mean I, but, but it 
is like Brooks doesn't show up to many commentaries. Yeah, I, I, he doesn't really. And uh, so but they, how did he? How did he quit? He left. So I guess there was an agreement, and uh, he got the offer, and he said. Whatever I'll be like, I have to do this, and I don't care what I have to pay to get out. I believe of he had to pay a six-figure amount. That, that yeah, I thought it was that. NBC who had to give Fox two hundred thousand dollars, but I, I remember he had to pay. It. Yeah, Conan was talking about it as if it was his money mm. that he was losing. Yeah, oh, who knows? Maybe NBC gave him a bonus to cover that. Money. Yeah, they I mean he, he's made it back a thousandfold by now. Yeah, I think I believe so. Yeah. So one last thing before we start the show. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we see a ton of new writers in the credits. I just want to give them all a shout out. Yeah. There's uh, there's Bob Cashel, Jonathan Collier, Bill. Canterbury and Greg Daniels along with like Frank Mueller, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein and the soon to be gone Conan O'Brien. So there's a bunch of new hires and we'll Greg see their episodes Daniels. soon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, who, who knew he would be the one the, like the most prolific person yeah, to, like, like, after the Simpsons. He really is. So like, many shows he's created that he's, have been successes. He's the only one that really created a lot of successful shows. Co-creator in King of the Hill? Yeah with Mike Judge. He's like yeah. the, he's like you're the sitcom guy go teach Mike Judge how to make a real sitcom. And then adapted The Office Parks and Rec. Yeah. Also. Yeah. yeah. And I believe if you watch Conan, you see a mug on his desk that was given to Conan by That's Greg right. Daniels. And I think that is why they got Daniels, too. Mm-hmm. Or that might have been his in being friends with Conan. Also, he's he's a Harvard grad, so he yeah, just gets, yeah. that means you get in. The Harvard Mafia <laughs> strikes again. That's also what I do like about Merkin. He's not a Harvard guy. Yeah. Like, all these Harvard guys, and then in comes this, like... Nah, I'm a, I'm a veteran of sitcoms. I'm working Hollywood. <laughs> Give me a sitcom. This was originally intended to be the season premiere. They mm. pushed for it, and then they're like, no, we want it to be Rosebud instead. And then they got vetoed for Beatles. They're like, no, 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 the Beatles episode is the yeah, season premiere. Yeah, which so. you can understand. But this, yes. this really does feel like a first episode because you want to kick off with like it is a crazy dynamite. situation that should well going to college it like yeah. it's something that you can't do again and what i like is they took the idea they wasted in the front mm-hmm. homer going back to school and they make they they, they deliver on it like Absolutely. Yeah. homer going back to school in the front was two scenes really and yeah. they were okay this is an entire episode really yeah. and uh, they yeah. make the most of it The Simpsons will be right back. I hope you're well rested because if you're not, oh man, this is going to be the perfect sponsor for today. Casper Mattresses. Yes, Casper Mattresses, baby. Offering you one hell of a sleep experience for an outrageously reduced cost. And even better than that, if you go to caspertrial.com slash lasertime, you can get $50 towards any mattress that you want right now. And when I say any mattress, I mean from twin to California king. And if you don't know what Casper Mattresses are... Uh, they are mattresses that combine high-density memory foam and premium latex to create a sleep surface that contours to your body and keeps you cool and balanced through the night. Casper's dug deep into the science of sleep, and they're trying to offer you a better mattress at a much better cost. And one of the ways Casper has cut out the cost is by not having stores throughout the entire country. Instead, they ship the mattress right to you. As a result, Casper mattresses are up to a quarter of the price that you'll find in most big-box stores, and even better than that, and if you have any reservations of a mattress being shipped to your house, Casper knows that, and that's why they've provided provided you with a 100-night risk-free trial. You don't like the Casper mattress? Give them a call. They'll come pick it up for you, get rid of it, and give you a full refund. If you're in the market for a new mattress, please consider Casper. And even better, go to caspertrial.com slash lasertime to get $50 towards any new mattress. You like Laser Time shows? Then you might like Bonus Time, Laser Time's weekly bonus show exclusively on Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Here's a taste of what you've been missing. Like, so I'm receiving flack from the right, and 
I'm bracing myself from the flack from the left. Like, I'm going to get it from both ends this week. I just know it. Um, and I, I, Well, it's not that it's I, I don't... I just feel like I don't want to talk right now. <laughs> I don't want to do this at all. The anymore. outhole's the in-hole. The in-hole's uh, the outhole. Yeah. Spit roasted by politics. Normally, I... I <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to get rotisseried um, by the right and the left <laughs> this week. I feel... Uh, Get bonus time, Laser Time's weekly, full-length, uncensored, and ad-free Patreon-exclusive podcast, as well as weekly full-length movie commentaries, wrestling and cartoon video commentaries, physical rewards, the first season of Talking Simpson, and more at patreon.com slash laser time, starting at just five bucks. You'll help us live, and we'll do our best to help you never be bored again. We rarely talk about couch gags, but it starts with a uh, Mighty Python foot squish. Yeah, couch perfectly gag, appropriate. Which he, Merkin, is a huge Python fan, and also the Knights Who Say Knee are referenced. This is the this first episode, pop cultural so. acknowledgement I remember hearing of Monty Python. I feel like it too. That, Same uh, that too. I saw, and right. I would not see it until maybe 15 years later because yeah. n- a PBS did not show that. They showed things like Red Dwarf oh, and other no, things. I never saw that. I saw it in my until area, much later. And then I think Comedy, Comedy Central, Central aired it like a year every day, every damn day, right before the. Timeless Benny Hill hour. Oh God, I did see a lot of Benny Hill, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, but so, this is this yes. is basically how the episode kicks let's off. Let's hear a clip. Yes, a minute the, uh, thirty. Let's do it. The uh, <laughs> the safety inspectors show up unexpectedly to the nuclear power plant. The watchdog of public safety. Is there any lower form of life? Oh, don't worry, sir. I rounded up our last gifted employees and led them into the basement. The Homer. Why are we down here? Oh, jeez. I told you, Bernie, to guard the bee. But why? Oh, you guys are pathetic. No wonder Smithers made me head bee guy. <laughs> uh, it's cutting away. Oh, we did bad. I'm very tempted to we give the onion guy. We did bad. I do that all the time. <laughs> I get bad. It's funny. We see, we see two reused ideas. One is from uh, two yeah. cars in every garage, three, three eyes on every fish, mm-hmm. uh, inspecting the plant. Mm-hmm. And this is just like Skinner trapping the, the bullies and Bart in the basement. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, with, with a trick. It, this is all that makes me, with the front, it makes me mix and match all these things yeah, in my memory. But I think they, they do more with the idea. They make it more yeah. cartoonish, more silly. We start with the plants being sleepy and like mm-hmm. everybody's stupider. Like yeah. this, there's some bits I see in this plant and also in the Ro- in Rosebud, the next episode, mm-hmm. that are just like I remember in the Christmas episode that it's it's just a business. Yeah. And it's like, it's a business with a boss who isn't nice. And Homer would not have a giant plant destruct button yes. in front of him well, at his console. All, they're all preschoolers at nap time. Yes. Like, that's how, that's how goofy it's gotten. And a dog helps him, a sleepy hound. And I, lo- and I love it. And I got to give it to the animation team that I bet in the script it didn't say make these the same testers as in the front. Yeah. Or, or sorry, in Blade. Blinky, but they did and i don't think it was also they have the same continuity when they go to the guidance counselor that is it's not the same voice but it is the same design of right. the guidance counselor is in the way we was to so. be fair i think it's a bit of uh, not laziness but practicality it's like we need inspectors let's That's, go to the model sheets right. do we have yeah, them the let's pull them yeah right. instead, of, right. instead of creating new characters with new you know turnarounds and whatever sending them to yeah. legal to make sure they can't be stolen by family guy <laughs> you you are right that is it's, it's more it's just laziness it's not care i wouldn't about call continuity. it laziness it's, it's just not, like not la- but that thing that like move on to the joke yeah, you yeah. don't need to be new characters. Yeah, <laughs> the box, the box. Uh, but wait, I'll get to that because this this, this should have been line, line of the show. So yeah, the bee bit my bottom. No, my bottom's big. Yeah, you're you're so the, more crazy animation. Yeah, the right? pictures you took of that are like how 
how weirdly Homer swings his ass around and yeah. emerges. He emerges from that thing like a full-on cartoon character. Just popping between these really extreme poses. Yeah. It's really great. Well, and his eyes are huge. Like, he's... It reminds me, too, of how he looked in Homer the Heretic, the first production one of last season, of just that he's yeah. another weird one. Mm. Like, Homer is fatter, he's happier, he's goofier, he's rubberier. <laughs> and and the beeb of my bot. So, this is how dumb he is. And, and this, yeah. this is the episode... Not in even Rosebud, the next episode, but in this episode, he is Chris Peterson of Get a Life. Mm-hmm. Like, these are all things Get a Life of, like, just refusing to admit reality yeah. and failing at everything to such an extreme <laughs> it kills people. Yes. That, that, yes, that he melts the, down a simulation of a nuclear power not, plant. Not just being stupid, but stupid and dangerous, yeah. potentially lethal to like, other like people. S- supernatural stupid powers. Yeah. And Homer comes out as Bill Bixby's The Hulk, yes. which I think the references in this episode also shows you how they've like reshuffled the deck that Gene and Reese had their specific things they likes to reference, and yeah. it kind of from it kind of trickled down to what the other writers would do. Now Merkin, he has a similar context he goes to references from, but slightly different, mm-hmm. and he'll he'll come at it from different no, angles. You're right; these do feel a little more modern. You've moved into the late '70s, '80s, mm-hmm. especially yeah. in the next. It's few not episodes. jokes about how much they hate Johnny Carson. Yeah, how <laughs> like, so many rocks. Carson jokes. Uh, but uh, I love this scene. Burns uh, is given a mandate to bring everything up to code. I, oh, I love the... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt like the first true Star Wars reference they ever had ha. when he went into the escape pod. Uh, well, like, yeah. But, I was thinking of Spaceballs, but yeah. I'm sorry. But, oh, the, escape, the escape pod... But I'm the escape fraud. pod, isn't that like Apollo footage that they're... I mean, I guess the launching of it looked more like Apollo footage. No, I, I, I had the, the same note. The door it, was the escape pod from, the, from yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, it's the Star Wars escape pod, but it looks like the uh, the... Space shuttle separating. That, I think that they is have the true. same footage. But Homer is not the only one who's indestructible because Burns should have died from that fall <laughs> yes. too, and he doesn't. Again, uh, I don't know if you said this, Henry, but the show is also much meaner. Oh, yeah. yes. That is another the thing sh- of Merkin. He is a mean guy. The show is much crueler to characters. Of, mm. In this episode, the Dean, we'll get to it, but dear God, that man <laughs> suffers. He suffers uh, at the hands of, a, of an insane man. Yeah. Yeah. Burns' bribery goes a lot smoother in this one than it did in the Blinky <laughs> episode. I'm still not sure how he caused the meltdown. There wasn't any nuclear material in the truck. Oh, very well. It's time for your bribe. Mm. Now, you can either have the washer and dryer where the lovely Smithers is standing, huh. or you can trade it all in for what's in this box. The box. The box. Look, Burns, this is a big problem. You just can't throw money at it and make it go away. Gentlemen, I've decided there will be a no investigation. Now, if you excuse me, I'll go away. <laughs> You're in big trouble, Burns. Homer Simpson's job requires college training in nuclear physics. Now, you get your man up to speed, or we'll be forced to take legal action. Is that so? Well, I have the feeling you'll be dropping the charges. Ooh. The painters moved your desk, sir. Oh, yes. <laughs> he no, would... tried to murder him. I he love to... Burns so much. He would successfully kill Lenny later in the season. <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. <laughs> With that trap door. He, Merkin loves that trap door, man. They they should just fire Homer, and I think it's the union that's keeping mm. him from having from losing his I job. That could be the unspoken thing. I don't know yeah. that's the union. It's just like having to learn too, uh, having to be in too many HR offices. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you hire a person who's not qualified... Sometimes it that is on you, yeah. as an employer, especially if that person has been there ten years. I thought it was uh, President uh, Ford's fault. Ah, thank you, President <laughs> Ford. Uh, Project Bootstrap. Uh, Project Bootstrap. And that the box, the box is a reference to the seventies uh, game show. Let's make a deal. I knew With Monty that, Hall, but I still want to think of it as a UHF reference. Uh, Stupid. 
stupid. Uh, I'd have to. That's but our it, second uh, UHS reference on Talking Simpsons, wow! by the way. Wow! Uh, at least. Roadmaps! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All I right. think of that line all the time. Homer must go to college. So you want me to go to college? College? <laughs> Barbara Clown. Bart! Remember, your job and the future of your family hinges on your successful completion of Nuclear Physics 101. Oh, and one more thing. You must find the jade monkey before the next full moon. Actually, sir, we found the jade monkey. It was in your glove compartment. And the roadmaps and ice scraper? They were in there too, sir. Excellent. <laughs> it's all falling into place. <laughs> <laughs> I love Burns so yeah, much. These yeah. First Conan. Two, Conan loves yeah. Burns. These first two season five production episodes are so Burns heavy. I mean, especially yeah. Rosebud, of course, but this <laughs> one too. So as far as I know, there's never been an episode where Homer becomes a barber, but within a year he does go clown to clown college. college. That's and right. he's just in a barber shop. Uh, he, yeah, barber shop quartet. That's true. Yes. I enough. make it a count. I, I mean, that Jade Monkey, On I looked at it on the wiki. They say mm. it's specifically a Maltese Falcon reference. I mm-hmm. guess it is, but I mean, that's just a MacGuffin. The Jade Monkey is a MacGuffin yeah. in a million things. Yeah, it feels like it's a like a noir MacGuffin or whatever. Yeah, Some, somebody Scorpion. smuggled something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An old man wanting a valuable item is just... is the, And so we get a flashback to Homer applying to college. That's when we see yeah. the way we was guidance counselor. And, oh. uh, and But not the same voice. So I think that was just reused character model. In yeah. That case. Or they just forgot who did what. And Homer being distracted by a ham or a squirrel. It's <laughs> yeah. like, that's again, really stupid. As as Troy McClure would be asked in the 138th episode Spectacular, he does get dumber every season. And mm. this is this is the dumbest he's been yeah. in this episode. As, especially also the way Homer, Homer writes... He, he holds a pencil differently in the next episode. In this one, he holds it like a child who doesn't yes. know, like, just in a whole fist. fist. You know what? Let's like a chopstick. I did notice that. I think it's just someone didn't know how to draw or just fucked up and couldn't fix it. But he's holding the, he's holding the pencil with his pinky instead of his index finger, yeah, between he, his index finger and middle finger. So I think who just who was, whoever was drawing that just kind of fucked up and they uh, couldn't okay. correct it. I just it. thought it was meant to make him look even dumber. It does make him look a lot dumber, so it could have been on purpose, <laughs> but it's like... That's but, not how you hold a pencil. But Homer writing his thing, uh, like writing it out, also just made me feel weird. Like, oh, you you with a pencil, you write out a college ex- like, uh, uh, application. What mm. I thought was weird is including a photo, which I feel like you you would never do today. That's just yeah. grounds for discrimination yep. because they can yeah. see how oh, that's that's a person I don't want here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but Homer had read the book Sniglets. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, do we have a- uh, don't let these application essays throw you. Let's see. List your three favorite books and how they've influenced your life. His TV guide book. No. Senator Sniglet? No. Catherine Hepburn's me? No. Oh, I suck. It was the most I ever threw up, and it changed my life forever. You're the man, Homer. Thanks, boy. Uh, on all these episodes, just Bart encouraging Homer to do horrible things. It's nice. Yeah, he, he's I, me. I like Again, it. Bart is being me. Do showing, it, showing how dumb Homer has gotten, that throw-up line is very much a Ralph line. It's like, it just about how, not having worms anymore. But that picture yeah. is yeah. so <laughs> The picture of him just eating the entire cake. And his eyes are red from the flash. It does, yeah, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> like where you like... Because nowadays you have to ask someone to take the picture and like yeah. watch me eat this whole cake. How did yeah. this work out? There's I a big story that behind that picture. I feel like he was caught in the middle of eating it. But and it's, it's, not like, a, it's not even on a table. He's <laughs> holding. He's, he's lifting a cake. When there was the, I saw a funny use of that image of Homer laying on the floor writing it. When it was 
Donald Trump saying, I'm writing my inauguration address. Uh-huh. And then they have a picture of Homer and the most I ever At least Homer's there. not holding an upside down cap Sharpie at his hotel concierge desk. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to get in trouble again. So two of those books he read, Son of Sniglets, not actually a book. As far as I can tell, there was never an actual collection of Sniglets called Son of Sniglets. There were many of like more Sniglets. Or the, the oh, more they were a real thing. Okay, yeah, Sniglets. like one of those coffee table books or whatever. You just flip through. So Sniglets are a cute word combination to make up. Uh, they're called Sniglets, words that aren't in the dictionary but should be. They were actually invented by, invented, but popularized by comedian Rich Hall. Wow. Uh, not necessarily the news, the HBO monthly, monthly. news parody. <laughs> yes, and I have a clip of that if you want to hear what a sniglet is. Oh, boy. We should hear up to one that's actually a real word. So these are all portmanteaus, which is yeah. com- combining no, two words together. No, they're sniglets, Bob. They're well, not portmanteaus. I'm going to say some of them are portmanteaus. Some yes. of them are just onomatopoeia. Grit is anything that sat in the same position for at least 50 years. Like those bottles of hair tonic you always find in barber shops. A yank always any person who combs his hair over his bald spot thinking nobody will notice. Here we go. A combination spoon fork device you find at fast food restaurants is known as a spork. Holy shit! This man is furbling. Verbaline is the act of having to wander through a maze of ropes at an airport or a bank, even when you're the only person in line. <laughs> a squashed piece of bacon at the bottom of the package is known as the porcus non grata. I think we're good. <laughs> That's so. These are examples cute. of sniglets. Yes, exactly. They were books. And so they, they put were them so in books. popular yeah. on the show oh that they God. then put those jokes into a book and then wrote more of them. And it and they sold enough to make like there are like eight Sniglet books. Like, There's a lot of them. Did Conan work on that too? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, I think, but I, think, I do think some uh, Simpson staffers did work on that. Show. I found it funny how people laugh at the idea of a spork, but that's actually what, you, what call you call it. it. And there's a lot of jokes about the spork on, on the critic. Mm. I'll they spork your ass. <laughs> they do love the spork yeah. on there. <laughs> how useful is the spork? So Catherine Hepburn's me, mm. meanwhile, is <laughs> is her autobiography that came out in 1991. So mm. it is new when Homer is talking about this. And it is famously bad. Oh, really? Okay. In the way that, like, oh, you obviously did write this, Catherine Hepburn. Mm. You should have hired a ghostwriter. You didn't. I and assume the joke was, why would Homer read this? It's just an odd choice. Yeah. Like how yeah. he knows about Supreme but Court I, justices. Yeah, I wouldn't have predicted it was a recently popular book. At least according to reviews I read online of just like, this is one of those so bad it's good books. Uh, and So here's a couple lines I found online from it. <laughs> you won't do anything else if you decide that you are going to resurrect and rearrange a human being. All right. And I'm like the Statue of Liberty to a lot of people. So. Ew. Uh, <laughs> uh, comma, colon, is there more to that? No, that's the end of the sentence. Okay. Like, yeah. I thought there'd be a funny explanation of I that. I hold up a touch. And I'm, <laughs> uh, when I think of that voice, I only think of the Dana Carvey joke of like, I'll strap on this Oscar and do you. Remember that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Remember? Made John Lovitz throw up in a parking lot. Whoa. <laughs> it's, it's according to his comedy. Uh, but here, I don't know. I don't know how much of this I even want to play. But oh. I didn't even put it together until you said it that like since all the old writers are out, yeah, and we are going through all these references, like it is getting in into a much younger 
reference base. It really is. And this is the last appearance of Corey, who was given mm-hmm. the last name Corey Masterson. Yeah, who is playing Corey in the movie. Yes, and he is a combination of Corey Feldman and Corey Haim, which mm-hmm. were popular late 80s teen heartthrobs, maybe going, going to the early 90s. a combination of Tiger Beat and Teen Vogue. Exactly. So, yeah, Conan said it was his idea to make it Homer thinks that college sex robs are real life. Yes, or like an Animal House type film. Yeah. But, but, that's, but this is, like, this is... a. To me, Animal House it's, is late 70s, but like this is a very 80s trope. This is Revenge of the Nerds. It really yeah. is. It's no, more it's, that. Yeah, it's exactly And so it was that. a reference I'd seen this source material from for yeah. the first time. So I, I already love The Simpsons, so here's where I start loving it even more because I'm getting everything. And as you said, Chris, mm-hmm. every sex comedy is rapey <laughs> oh, as 80s, hell. Rapey, rapey, rapey. 80s rape genre? Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> you know when the hero dresses up like Darth Vader and rapes somebody? That's a yeah. great funny movie, Animal guys. Animal House is tainted, too. And oh, yeah. If you, think, oh, yeah. if you think it wasn't, like, it's weird. Just... Universal pr- proudly presents the 25th anniversary of Animal House. They it didn't matter to people. The yeah, sexual the politics time. were different. They weren't right, but they were different. Yeah, but I, I love the movie, Dean. Finally, the great taste of Worcestershire <laughs> sauce in a soft drink. By the way, how ah, Bart looks there. Steaky. Sorry, son, but there's a program about campus life that I really should watch. <laughs> we now return to School of Hard Knockers, starring Corey Masterson. <laughs> Dean Bitterman. I hope nothing unsavory happens during my visit. As you know, I am the President of the United States. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I've expelled those rowdy members of Chuggalug House. <laughs> oh, I hate that lousy Dean. Chuggalug House. So, yeah, Chug-a-lug house. A very Chris Peterson from Get a Life thing, being informed by TV, bad yeah, TV, yes. about what reality is. And then Homer is just so invested in it. Yeah, but also just like very... On- on the nose and, and suggest a hatred for these types of oh, things, which, for which sure. are not like necessarily unpopular yet. No, like I don't know. I, like, they were. Ba- Ski school was just two years ago. Yeah, if you're a comedy writer, you know they're the worst. Mm. Though honestly, I would watch Ski School too before date movie or epic movie Me or too. any of those. I'd at least at least in those those are R rated, so you can get some titillation. Uh-huh. Like and you're not getting any of that in those movie movies. Um, and uh, more movie. Just movie, Dean. Your bra bomb better work, nerdlinger. Hey! <gasps> Corey! Uh, don't worry, Mr. President. I... Mr. President! Lighten up, Bitterman. That youngster will make a perfect addition to my cabinet. Secretary of Partying Down! <laughs> yes! Take that, Bitterman! <laughs> I was... I was surprised they kept uh, the Corey voice. They got it right. It's yeah. Hank Azaria, as we heard in the earlier call-in, uh, the, the Corey hotline. Corey, yeah. Montessori, but then Homer allegory. Doesn't even, Homer doesn't even get how silly it is. His name is Bitterman. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't get Take that. Take that, Bitterman. <laughs> and I'll give it to the designers, too, that they did a great design of the president that gets cast in those movies and mm. just like a person you look at and like you're not distinct in any way i don't know why you'd be elected but you're just like you know, caesar romero type. president i think yeah. but like part of the joke him saying as you know i am the president yes. <laughs> yes it's also very hacky writing but they want to establish that within the movie as well yes. and there have been worse cabinet picks again i'm gonna oh I'm boy gonna, I'm gonna oh right. boy uh but i'm gonna give this one but homer doesn't get into college i'm giving this my line of the show that's the joke it's the first time I love this heightens Burns weakness. Oh yeah! In every single episode, and it starts right here. I love every second of this bit. Uh, Burns trying to intimidate the board of the college to accept Homer. I'm sorry, Mr. Burns, but I must object. This Simpson is not qualified. I see. 
Well, you know, fellas, I look at the admissions board a lot like a baseball team. <laughs> you all like baseball, don't you? Yes, well, to have a successful baseball club, you need teamwork. Not some hot dog admissions officer playing by his own rules. Uh, excuse me, what are you doing? I'm giving you the beating of your life. Look, if... Stop that. If you wanted to do that badly, why didn't you just say so? Yeah. Smithers, dismember the corpse and send his widow a corsage. <laughs> so Burns is pretty much like, I murdered this guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Burns is pretty yeah. sure he killed him. It's like in the past that, that maybe worked for Burns, maybe in the 40s. Yes. I don't know. Burns has murdered people. Yeah. And, like, and he's cool with that. I love his chair at the college to yes. get Homer into. With the, dogs growling. The Doberman <laughs> chain to it. Yeah. So this is a reference. I, I have a clip here now. This is a reference to a very specific scene from The Untouchables, which is a movie I felt like everybody referenced in the 90s and nobody ever Especially talks the about Simpsons, now. Especially The Simpsons, for real, yeah. yeah. Everybody was in The Untouchables, which is a, mm. a remake of the Elliot Ness TV show that starred Robert Stack. Mm. But there's been a million films about Elliot Ness who he took on Al Capone in the Roaring 20s and yeah, Robert De Niro in a small role as Al Capone. Uh, Robert De Niro at like fat and bald mm-hmm. as Al Capone, and so this is Al Capone, Robert De Niro, talking to his group of guys. Oh man, is that Dirty Grandpa himself? His Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> what is he? Uh, not, you follow me? No one. Sunny day stands are full of fans. What does he have to say? I'm going out there for myself. <laughs> but I get nowhere unless the team wins. Team. Jesus Christ. Dude, I forgot. So that's what happens all oh, about this scene. I had no idea. I don't know how you dug this out of your brain, Henry. Everything uh, I read about this episode did not mention this at all. This yeah. Untouchables oh, really? reference, yeah. yeah. No, it's so direct. Yeah, I mean, it is. but again, no one remembers this movie. Yeah. No one or well, talks about it. Well, like I don't know because the, I mean, op- the opening the, to Naked I mean, Gun Thirty Three and a Third is a parody of this movie, which was an homage to Battleship Potemkin. Right, yes. but that was uh, nineteen ninety two. Jesus Christ! All right, that's a long time ago. But also in this film, everyone remembers the very racist line just like a wop to bring a knife to a gunfight oh! yes, that is and Chris that, protested they wouldn't be Italian uh, and also the Sean Connery is really good in it and mm. he also has the line of like they send one of yours to the hospital we send one of theirs to the morgue that line has survived in pop culture yes. maybe not you know, people don't remember the source, but I've heard that line. It's before. not even a great that great a film. And like Kevin yeah. Costner is like just as always. Kevin it. Costner is not good at it. Nope, he's the wallpaper <laughs> of his own movies. But it's a Brian De Palma film, and it's one of his better ones. Yeah. But he's he's a, De Palma is a great director. I'd watch Blowout before that, before Untouchables, but. Untouchables, fine little film. I forgot. I'm all learning about so it. much from Talking Simpsons. Well, you're gonna be about. To I like, want to give the show money. I love it. When, <laughs> I love it when we dip into meme territory because this this ep, like this is one of those things I see like embedded in comments everywhere. You correct somebody or say actually, actually, yeah, and you get hit with a line from this scene. Nerd. Homer, that isn't very nice. Marge, try to understand. There are two kinds of college students, jocks and nerds. As a jock, it is my duty to give nerds a hard time. Hey, pal, did you get a load of the nerd? 
Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I, 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 that's, that's like the opening of Twenty One Jump Street. Oh, that, they, like they, they, yeah. they try and go back to high school and like engage with all their old like yeah fuck you fag and like I'm openly gay. <laughs> and I'm the most popular guy in school. I and, like, this. That's yeah. I, and, like, I I like that wake up call that like a jock doesn't care about a yes, nerd. What in are college. you talking yeah. about? This doesn't exist here. I do like how Homer is immediately met with reality but refuses to acknowledge it. Like, yeah, yeah. The second he steps in the college, it's it, someone is there to show him this is not right. The thing yes. you believe is not true, but he keeps believing it. The it's guy great. who said "Hey, jock," said "Pardon me." Yes, he never <laughs> lets it go. And, and, and then but, Homer thinks he's a jock. He thinks yeah. he's he's a jock. I can't. It's, I it's guess great. if Homer thinks that there are two types of people in the world and he's that one if he's a jock yeah he's not a he nerd. can't be a nerd because he's not smart i and i have i have a couple of clips yes. i had to just want to touch oh, upon because yes. this is to we let you know a, it's revenge of the nerds laser time about nerd. oh, let me hear that again nerd. there's ogre telling you nerds but like if you want to be a real hipster simpsons fuck <laughs> if you want to embed the nerd clip you need you need oh i love to this use one. the spanish one yes it's so that funny. great rolling r <laughs> it's great. It's so only uh, Spanish Homer Humberto Vallez. Uh, yeah, uh, it's great to know nerd in in Spanish is the same as nerd in English. It, it, yeah, it, I guess it's just English it's universal. Slang. Yeah, Maybe it's borrowed English. Slang, and I think I for some reason the, the DVDs are really good to show you what Simpsons uh, the Simpsons sounded oh, like great. around the world. I love watching as an anime freak. I love watching it in Japanese. Yeah, it's, it's so amazing. <laughs> uh, but like, for I think someone found that clip because for some reason you know Simpsons is pretty what do you litigious when you upload something to YouTube yeah. but somebody uploaded a bunch of Simpsons stuff in Spanish and it's mostly from this episode if it's not in English it's usually in Spanish on there though I've seen ones with like Russians talking right over it so I have yeah I have another just if you wanted to hear more of this episode in Spanish <laughs> bueno vamos a comenzar por <laughs> ay pero que idiota <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that, that actress in a moment. That actor's really bringing it. Totally, I like it. I like I it. Thought he, he just died, but there is a it. linked video with Marge oh and just God. gigantic hooters. What's even happening? I, I don't know. The Spanish version is crazy. I guess that's the episode where she got <laughs> breast implants. Let's not talk about that. Oh, well, I guess that, we'll have that, to. That didn't happen. That really I will quit the show. Before uh, the we get same to season that one. she got uh, to, to, be, to be buff Marge on steroids. They're yeah. really playing into the Marge fetish in season fifteen or whatever. And so, yes, excuse my f word drop. I'm just trying to be authentic. Uh, but like uh, about uh, subverting Homer's expectations of what college life is like, and the it's only weird Homer has a flask. Did you know? Yes. I'm not used to him. He drinks beer. He I've been have given a flask three before. great flasks, and I can't like. I bring liquor every. I just drink <laughs> in the same bottle. I don't well, care. Also, like where where are you gonna you drink at home? You don't go places. <laughs> You'd have to leave your house. That's kind of judgy. That's kind of <laughs> judgy. Uh, but I'm saying that for all of us. But this and only because like uh, I just I feel like it's Conan. I've always wanted to spit something into a rag. <laughs> I've never had that opportunity. I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. Attention, everyone. The punch has been spiked. <gasps> don't worry. Your parents have been called and will be here to pick you up shortly. Yay! March. Someone squeezed all the life out of these kids. And unless movies and TV have lied to me, it's a crusty, bitter old Dean. Hi there. Hello, yes. I'm Dean Peterson. But you can call me Bobby. I just want you to know, if you ever feel stressed out from studying or whatever, I'm always up for some hacky sack. Or hey, if you just want to come by and jam, I used to be the bass player for the Pretenders. <laughs> Boy, I 
can't wait to take some of the starch out of that stuff shirt. <laughs> this episode has a lot of ADR lines, but I'm always up for some hacky sack. Mm. Sounded like it was recorded in a different room. Really did. <laughs> further it's away so from the off. microphone or something. It's so off. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, like, I think my knee-jerk reaction was like, if you want to talk and rap for a second, but they didn't... They really made it a point to make the Dean really cool. He's not just not faking just it nice. to be... Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like an actual cool, nice guy who's very forgiving, we, we learn later in the episode. So I did a little research on bassists in The Pretenders. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Henry. I did not do this. So when he says he's a bassist from The Pretenders, he cannot be the original bassist, Peter no. Farden, because he was a Peter British... Farden? Peter Farden. Farden. And that he, he was a British drug addict who died in 1983. <laughs> like... The band broke right. up briefly. So not Bobby Peterson. So that's not who he is. But then the band reunited later in the 80s, and they had multiple bassists, including Smith's uh, member Johnny Marr was oh. a briefly a bassist. What is a famous Pretenders song? I, I'm drawing a blank. I'll Back on my chain. You. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll stand by you. Wow. I love that the Pretenders you. are so great. Yeah, they like their music holds up real well, despite... Living my entire life hearing it and it being completely innocuous. They also have a great Christmas song. Uh, yeah. Uh, like 10,000 Miles. This 10,000 Miles. Chrissy Hind, the <laughs> yeah, greatest. Yeah. I love her. And I always, though, I can't not think of that line from the Peaches song. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, fuck the pain away. The Peaches song of just like. Did she name check, check Chrissy Hind? Check out my Chrissy behind. It's fine all of the time. <laughs> what else are then the Teaches of Peaches? I. I, I yeah, Florence and the Machine sounds like a new Pretenders. Um, but so the Dean might be the the eighty five to eighty seven bassist right. is uh, Malcolm Foster. That's the one he's most like. So hmm. interesting. But him being the they had a kind of revolving door of of bassists to replace that guy. So uh, yeah, it's something that Pretenders go through as many bass players as uh, Hogwarts goes through defense of the Dak at teach him. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Somebody promote me. Um, I don't read children's literature. <laughs> Stop sorry. it. Watch children's movies. So okay, I, guess, I will do that. <laughs> I guess Pete Farden would be. Uh, oh crap! I can't remember the name of the first one from the book one from Philosopher's so, oh. so Sorcerer's Stone. It's okay. I'm here. I'm it's here. Philo- I got you. It's a, the localization ruined it. You did <laughs> not read it in England. Stone. Stop censoring my stones. <laughs> and the line we played previously in Spanish. It's it. Kind of is one of my favorite moments in the show. I love Simpsons characters laughing too hard. Yes. Uh, but laughing at themselves. So, uh, yeah. Mm. Good morning and welcome to Nuclear Physics 101. I see a lot of new faces, but you know the old saying, out with the old, in with the nucleus. <laughs> now we'll begin by... Oops. <laughs> Oh, did you see that jerk? He <laughs> 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 dropped his notes. <laughs> now, if anyone would like to stay, I'm going to hold a comprehensive review session after every class. Do we have to? No. Then kiss my curvy butt. Goodbye. I, d- I don't know who... It's a little touch, but the idea that Homer's always shot from the teacher's perspective and oh, like, yeah. always is way in the back it's of the room. It's a nice choice. Yeah. It, it really accentuates everyone else just not moving, sitting still, and he's just in the back laughing. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah, it, it did scare me at the idea of what college was, of like mm-hmm. this overwhelming class. Like, oh, is this what college is going to be like for me? Fortunately, I just went to community colleges <laughs> and, oh. and, and state schools, and so I never had to see I any did of this. both, I, and I got kicked out of one. I went to a lousy state school, Youngstown State University, by the way. I, I'm in, it's mm-hmm. my, uh, I have a bachelor's 
in English from there, but it was a mix of the smaller. Uh, we're the fighting penguins, <laughs> but uh, it was a mix of smaller classes and like the general rec classes were the huge auditoriums with two hundred students and just one tiny professor showing things on like PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, and that it was real in that it was boring, and I think that's the thing Merkin really is into too. Of just like he will have very arch satire characters, and then sometimes he will put the arched character into reality and it's yeah. just them bouncing off of like no this is just a boring teacher talking about notes well like i think this. also oakley and weinstein love uh, that like yes. boring reality mixing with crazy sitcom <laughs> stuff is what they love I, to do i can't believe it's taking us an hour to get to but the well fucking... then homer almost kills everybody and yeah. so he needs to get new tutors yes and his tutors are in room 222 which is a reference to James, oh, do you have no, no, no? no. I just, I, I, I sort of like that's from Room Twenty Two, but I don't understand the relation. That's room, a spinoff of Love American Style. Or yeah, something? Room Two Twenty Two is one of those pilots on Love American Style. I got a real show. Yeah, executive produced by James L. Brooks. Okay, ran for, and I was like, well, I must not have heard of it because it only ran for a season. It ran for five seasons, but we just don't know it. Like yeah. it and never reran. It never syndicated. We I'll say it's not a good reference. It's it's one they made because they could. It's just uh, let's have a let's works. have a room number. What's a room number we can use? That's that's kind of funny. It's I mean, a reference it's a wink, to something. It's a wink to their boss. Yeah, too, mm. it is. But I, but so the nerds, the nerds, baby. Yes. Hey, King. Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Stop the humanoid! <laughs> Look, I'm supposed to get a physics tutor. Well, you come in the right place, then. There's one thing we know: it is science and math, and the worst every Monty Python routine. We are the knights who say. There's a lot to talk about here. Uh, so really, this there really is. This would be seen later in a Merkin episode, but like this was kind of the moment for me of like, I'm a nerd. <laughs> so am I. Like that that is I I am especially Doug, Doug the heavier one of mm-hmm. the three that uh, particularly him in the Poochie episode of like, mm-hmm. I hope somebody was fired for that blunder. Yeah, I want to break them down really quick because okay. only, only one is named. So uh, Gary is the black nerd. He's actually Rich Ooh, Moore's that's... design, but painted brown. If you watch <laughs> uh, the end of March vs. the Monorail, you see you see oh. Rich Moore going over the escalator to nowhere, mm-hmm. but he's white. They just recolored him because, again, they needed to make a new character design and they didn't want to uh, have to draw a whole new character. And Jim Reardon says Rich Moore makes fun of him all the time for that. Like, yes. Thing. So that's that's Gary. And he has really screwed up teeth, but this is digging so deep. If you watch <laughs> the critic special features, you see Rich Moore with braces. So whenever those ah. features are being filmed, Rich Moore fixed his teeth. After seeing it drawn in a cartoon, yeah. he's like, no all right, I'll fix it. He has terrible teeth as a caricature. Uh, so Gary's the black nerd. Benjamin is the nerd with red hair, uh, voiced by Dan Castaneda. And Doug is the heavier nerd in the sweater voiced by Hank Azaria. Yeah. Because yep. I, I, I knew I was on the internet early. I knew the Monty Python reference. I just thought it was a good reference to, I don't know, people. people I, I, it did not connect with me like I'm a nerd uh, when, I, when I saw this. I mean. I'm still really cool. We well, are those three guys. Yes. <laughs> you said it earlier. Uh, we yeah, are there. I mean, watching this, I'm like, the Monty Python nerds of 93 are the Simpsons nerds of 2017. Yeah, I, yes. I remember we, we're, we were worse, actually. We we're were much, much worse. We worked for a, a, a British. They did not have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We worked for a British company for a while, and, and like he, he asked about Monty Python quotes because in England that's deep nerd shit. Oh, really? Like public Monty? Oh, yeah. Public Monty Python quotes is like dressing up as a Star Trek character, uh, according I, to him. That's when mm-hmm. I realized that it wasn't that appreciated by mainstream 
uh, British people yeah. was in was in the office when if you remember they did the the trivia night thing and it was Peter it was yeah. uh, it was Brenton Finch the guy who's worse than uh, uh, oh, Brent, Finchy El Finchy that Maybe they their team is the dead parrots and then they annoyingly do the dead parrots that cease to be but. I this did teach me like oh, I should probably watch Monty Python. I love it. Mm. The, <laughs> the secret I would memorize every line from the Holy Grail. I really mm. did. I watched I the Holy was, Grail a lot. I was, I was Life of Brian, to, man. Li- well, Life of Brian was harder to see Angry all atheist. the time on Co- Comedy Central. Yeah, I, you know when I about four years later I really got into Life of Brian, and that is the best Monty Python mm. film. But then when you watch the when you watch the series, mm. you the my, Family Guy had this joke, and they are right. There are five sketches that you remember, mm-hmm. and then there's a whole lot you forget <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, that are that are them almost in a Dave Merkin way of just like we're wasting time on television. Can you believe <laughs> it? We're not going to give you well, anything. So it's, basically, like Wonder Shows and Patience episode. There's, yes. there's yeah. well, it's more to me like I love for a hot second Douglas Adams and Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize like silliness for silliness's sake can't sustain 7,000 pages. I got burned out after the second Hitchhiker's it's, book. Yeah, it's yeah. like, none of this, this is all meaningless, and you're not, like, I think satire with no point or purpose. Yeah, or, there are no rules, to, nothing matters, yeah. you hate all these characters, you're being forced to write these but at it, this point. But this does yeah. capture nerds so well yeah. that it is yeah. just like, we say references to each other, that is the existence of a nerd, yeah. and they're also like sexless losers, mm-hmm. they're not They're not cool, yeah. and they're not, and it, their arc isn't about them getting sex <laughs> and either. And they're always on computers, they're just always typing away, I which is just cutting edge nothing. then. In yeah, it really was. That nerds always looked at computers. Their intro, their first words are a reference to an arcade classic. Yes, I have a clip of it. Oh, what, that's really? Berserk, but they get the quote wrong. Are you nerdier than the I'm nerdier than the Simpsons like, nerds. Like, 20-year-old and Simpsons nerds? I have to be. I, I, I host Retronauts. I have not played Berserk in a while. It's a 1980 arcade game, rather. And um, I have to imagine the writers were like, we don't have access to this. There's no YouTube. We remember this talking. So uh, the nerds say intruder alert, stop the humanoid. Actually, the quote from the game is the humanoid must not escape and attack the humanoid. uh, They don't say what the nerds say in the game, at least from the footage I watched. And I watched a lot of it. I host Retronauts. I host Retronauts. I have to get this right. So fuck you three nerds. Yes, I always say like, no, I'm a fan of research. Well, I'm uh-huh. not a nerd. I just spend all my night my nights reading. About I it. don't speaking have, no. of out nerding people, I think mm-hmm. Bob has another funny story to this one. I do. We played Dungeons and Dragons for three hours. Then I was slain by an elf. Listen to yourself, man. You're hanging with nerds. You take that back. Homer, please. These boys sound very nice, but they're clearly nerds. Really? <laughs> but nerds are my mortal enemy. Dad, nerds are nothing to fear. In fact, they've done some pretty memorable things. Some nerds of note include popcorn magnate Orville Redenbacher, rock star David Byrne, and Supreme Court Justice David Souter. <gasps> oh, not Souter! <laughs> so we have more strange Supreme Court knowledge from Homer. Yeah, David Souter was a then very recent uh, appointee to the Supreme Court. He was appointed by H.W. Bush, and many expected him to be conservative. Mm-hmm. The, the whole point of appointing 
a Supreme Court justice, which is why you should be really fucking scared right now. Oh, for is, sure. Is that you try to get the most extreme person to whatever side of the political spectrum mm. the president is and get them in there so then for 30 years they can fuck up everything in one way or the Only other. Only death can check their power. So that's what he thought. That's what H.W. thought Souter was going to be. Turned out Souter was more of a swinging judge who ah. would actually go more left than not. But still and, a nerd. And when and he was a nerd, he, <laughs> he, I'd say him more. He's more of a dweeb, and he would. He actually is one of the rare non-death leaves. He just retired. Yeah, in I think 2000, in two thousand nine, okay. replaced by Soda Mayor. All right, okay, cool. So, so I was watching this with my girlfriend, who is a true uh, nerd, not like mm-hmm. me. I only play video games. I'm trash. She plays Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> every week almost. Oh wow! And um, the joke is, three hours is a long time to play D anD D. That's not mm-hmm. true. My girlfriend, when yeah. she plays, it's like a six to seven hour session. Yeah, so she was. Like, you can like sit three hours, whatever, dude. You can pick up over multiple nights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a continuing campaign, but only three hours for D and D is not a, a regular D and D session. No way. I, yeah, it's I, an all day thing. You bring all of your bags of Cheetos to the table, and you. When I play yeah. tabletop role playing games, the best times of it were playing at. We had a friend who had a friend at Denny's who ran the Denny's. They're like, we have the private room where you guys can just have just have it all night long yes. from like. 10 to 6 in the morning and yeah. and if you give us like a $30 tip we'll refill your drinks all and night yes. wow all, all the coffee and french silk pie you can eat oh so good <laughs> that's the champagne room uh, of Denny's right yes the you D&D and a pancake room you don't realize that your salad days till they're over it man. just I had to give a shout out to Freaks and Geeks and I love it's yeah. Dungeons and Dragons episode where Franco realizes the same thing just like leans into it I love it mm. it love was, that it was mm. and does that make mm. him cool them cool or him mm. a nerd yeah. which does to do and obviously oh i also did love the animation i just caught it this time that homer when homer says you take that back he has a knife in his head he's yeah. holding a knife and a butter knife and bart's reaction is just like hey whoa yeah like, and when he pulls the knife away bart rubs his neck yeah. like yes. oh my god he almost stabbed me in the neck <laughs> that was so extreme yeah. again chris peterson that's who yeah. homer is just like an unpredictable insane man who has no idea what reality oh is god i want to Skip around, here. Uh, but they they eventually. Uh, Homer well, so decides. Did, you know that the nerd, you know, the nerds have a Devo poster. I really yeah. like that. Oh yeah, that's was, right. It was very accurate. And so Homer, instead of doing the studying he's supposed mm-hmm. to do, he then realizes like, well, at this point in a college film, I have to have a prank, I right? See, where we pull the big prank, mm-hmm. and it happens in every fucking college movie. It really oh, does. Yeah. It My really- favorite, real genius. Uh, the popcorn one, or when he tells him not to masturbate. Oh no, 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 the icy hallway. Oh, the icy hallway. Yeah, that's. Oh, is he smart <laughs> me? But can he do this? What? <laughs> Love real, and that soundtrack is amazing. Uh, but uh, they end up landing on the pig prank, which I only mention. This sucks. Huh. This is 1993 in 1995. Little Chris Antista was starting a punk rock band with him and his angry <laughs> white friends. Uh, and, what were you mad about, Chris? Uh, yeah, no one understood us. It yeah. was all about how everybody, like how even people you lo- you think are cool, will sell you out. <laughs> Seriously, that's what every song was yeah. about. <laughs> and then my pitch was to make the band called Dirty as Fuck with like an umlaut over the U and no C. Huh. Awful. Please don't hate me more than I already do. But the logo. <laughs> Was the pig that Bart drew Abner? Yeah, that wow. was the, the wow. on, on the on the chalkboard. Oh, not Abner. On the chalkboard, that was Sir the logo for the band. So Where did first, Abner come from? That's a Green Acres. Oh, character. okay. For the first band ever I ever formed, 
the insignia was from this episode. Interesting. Wow. Not really, but it was an anecdote. I think he's better than... counts as a podcast. He's better than Spider-Pig. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they devise a, a big old piggy prank to steal the mascot of the rival college. The only other college in 50 miles is Springfield A&M, so they're our best target. Those bastards. Meet <laughs> Sir oinks a lot the beloved mascot of Springfield A&M. Here he is presiding over last year's homecoming. Here he is conferring an honorary degree on Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. And here he is rolling in his own filth. Gentlemen, I propose we kidnap Sir Oinks a lot. And then we roll him up in a carpet and throw him off a bridge. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and that Bart scratching the yeah. chalkboard before that, oh, that yeah. was another like, uh, I mean, it's not even worth saying. It's a, it's a Jaws reference style. We should all yeah. recognize that. But that's what Flynn does. Quint. There's an earlier scene in this episode. We can't cover everything, but I want to cover this. In that Homer is living the stereotypical college student from 1993 lifestyle where he's in his room with the uh, the, the posters of Einstein sticking Einstein. his tongue out. By the way, there's an amazing Mr. Show sketch about that from the new seasons. Yeah, one of the best Bob ones ever. Yes, yeah. so, good. so good. And also W.C. Fields, and there's one more. But I feel like the modern one, the one I grew up in, was like uh, maybe Scarface or Fight Club. Scarface, John um, Belushi, college. The two lesbian girls kissing, the poster called The Kiss. Yep. And maybe the naked girls with like the flat... Or like the things painted on their backs. There's like oh, a, it's yeah, a bunch the, of naked no, women. It, it's the naked backs, and it's 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 all the covers of the Pink Floyd albums. Oh, That's okay, one. yeah. As somebody who frequented Spencer's Gifts a lot because uh-huh. my friends worked there, I know all those ones. Yeah, it was the Belushi black and white with college on it. Yeah, and his college shirt, or the, yeah, the two lesbians kissing in in black and white. I, n- was, I never saw a Einstein or W. C. Fields in a dorm room in yeah, the early two thousands. Oh, the, the third poster of Homer's was the red shoes. It was the ballet. Oh, you're one. right. Yeah, what, yeah. What's well, to show how far we've come, that Mr. Show joke was real dated, or the yes. with Bob and David one, because I, I never saw that in a dorm room. I saw that in professors' offices. Ah, uh, yeah, in class, that too. In, in college classrooms. Well, that was that's a, where it evolved to. I mean, it was a sketch written by fifty-year-olds. It was. Yeah, that's, like, that, oh, I forgot about that. They're so, old. I, but hey, it still was a pretty. There were maybe some bits that weren't funny, but it was a pretty good. I, I thought it was a great show. Yeah, and and so. Now we get our first of three in a row of Richard M. Nixon. Mm-hmm. He would be dead in April. Like, this is October. <laughs> He'll be dead in April. They, Wait, he's not dead. He just wrote an article for Red Book. Uh, they're really rolling the <laughs> dice. Yes, suck. <laughs> that doesn't count. Not the real guy. They're really rolling the dice on Nixon living mm-hmm. to airing of this episode. And the yeah. three in a row, again, three in a and, row. And uh, Groening hates Nixon. I mean, yes. Nixon was a villain on Futurama for a reason. For a reason. Yeah. So, uh, But I think it's too Merkin is into it, too. Like, oh, for were, sure, yeah. There were a couple of Nixon jokes in the pre-Merkin years, including, like, I also like that particular beer. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> He's never drank a duff in his life. But Nixon <laughs> really gets it in these three episodes. Oh, I especially love Halloween. Uh, but yes, the prank the prank discovered. I loved every second of this. Hey, the pig's acting kind of funny. And Mr. Simpson split a case of malt <laughs> liquor. Guys, he's really sick. Hello, that sounds like a pig fainting. <laughs> I'm sorry, boys. I've, I've never expelled anyone before, but that pig had some powerful <laughs> friends. Oh, you'll pay. Don't think you won't pay. Uh, the the it, I think in the perfect version of David Merkin's world that the pig would have died, but I think he was oh, like you can't yeah, kill the pig for sure. It, it's too it's too much of a bummer to kill the pig, 
and that yeah that nixon gets them expelled the dean that's they had to create that too because the dean is too nice he wouldn't have expelled them for the pig yeah he's even very apologetic in expelling them he's like i've never done this before i'm my hands are tied i'm sorry and uh the pig biting homer is such amazing yeah Yeah, like a great smear and like just extreme these giant shark teeth on the pig yeah his his face looks ferocious for like two frames of animation it's been five hours since i talked about it but please go back to that blog post (laughs) i mentioned uh i I freeze frame my way through a lot of the great scenes and show you what makes what makes the animation great um and then they meet the wallet inspector yes that is one of my favorite outro lines of any scene ever where homer goes like that's not the wallet inspector meaning that he's he thinks he's met the real wallet inspector yes somebody has ripped him off but it's also cranking up the absurdity of jokes that we have throughout the the rest of the season i also even snake can't believe that lame line work i have to point this out because this is i don't know i love how dated is homer has already called the dean from a payphone Yes. And the, the nerds have moved into the Simpsons house. I got to do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Marge, they don't have anywhere to stay. And they're geniuses. They'll solve all our problems. They'll elevate us to the status of kings on earth. Mr. Simpson, we all have nosebleeds. Huh. No, for the love of <laughs> Uh but, but the early internet. Let's date this by explaining the internet on yeah. the show. <laughs> What's wrong with this phone? It's making crazy noises. Those crazy noises are computer signals. Yeah, some guys at MIT are sending us reasons why Captain Picard is better than Captain Kirk. (laughs) They're out of their minds. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you're not happy nerd? The definition of nerd has evolved beyond that? I like Captain Kirk. I understand that. I was going to say, in about a month, they would be arguing between Joel and Mike on MST3K. Yeah, true. This year, yeah. Mitchell's very close. But the, that is the flame more I know from early internet, not Picard versus Kirk. I wanted a big, dirty thing here where, uh, uh, hello, <laughs> that would have cut them off of the internet if Marge would have picked up the phone. That's true. Um, they, maybe they're working they on their responses. Like, Marge, come on! <laughs> I just didn't realize like how, how short lived in the in, in the in like the scheme of the whole internet how short-lived the dial-up modem was maybe yeah. maybe a decade maybe I mean, a decade. in terms of like worldwide if you're uh, really old and poor middle-class internet access yeah. i mean it got it disappeared right when the internet really became mainstream when cable got more into it and ethernet I just, and all that. i remember watching this episode like they're gonna make a nerd joke before the internet the internet's already there. Here. You go. The yes. internet is in the episode. The yeah. first instance of the internet on The Simpsons. And then Oakley. I mean, as we got from mm. our interview with Oakley, they were online. Yeah. They are. They're making fun of specific people. They're meeting in the message <laughs> boards. And which, in and when you imagine what the nerds are doing, know that it's all text, all mm. hard to read text, and like four hundred pixels. And there are no pictures or probably even colors. And they're posting to news groups. That's yes. what I uh, prodigy which, mess, uh, bulletin boards yelling about which is the best kids in the hall sketch. Yeah. Who's better Joel or Mike <laughs> I, I read all TV Simpsons for about a decade yeah. I was there man and if you wanted porn you had to read it because you weren't were going to be pictures <laughs> not the internet I never well. believed this would have happened to me <laughs> <laughs> so that itchy and scratchy that's such a great joke and this is, this is another thing that dates yes. where they are in, in this era the idea that you could never see something again but that's how it, what it was yes I feel like children need to hear this explained to them yeah do you think so yeah they don't understand the oh, concept. I heard about this. This is the one where Scratchy finally gets itchy. Wow. My purpose in life is to witness this moment. We need the outlet for our rock tumbler. Plug it in! Plug it in! What? The rock tumbler or the TV? 
Why don't I show that again? Not in a million years. <laughs> I, uh, come on, like, that happened. That did happen in this era. Yeah, I know. My true. my friend and I have the Martin Lawrence SNL monologue from a few months later. That is wow. gone. Yeah. It is gone yeah. forever, unless you have it on VHS. I mean, I remember this clear as a bell because I've seen every Simpsons episode mm-hmm. on its first airing up until like I don't know season twenty or something like that. But mm-hmm. the one I missed was Itchy and Scratchy Land, and it totally ah. burned me. I, I, I felt regret my entire life. Like I missed the first run, and I had to wait until that summer to watch it. Oh, yeah, pain. I when I think of things I couldn't see again as a kid, it was. I got to see half of the commercial where the Trix rabbit finally got to eat. Yeah. But it was like, they will never show it again. Or you never, because it was just the winner of a, uh, it was the end of a contest. So it's not going to stay in circulation for a long time. And it's a dumb commercial. Why do I care? But I'm not stating superiority, but I, I love that we're, we're stop gaps in like, Mm. We remember the close of Woolworths and the start of Amazon. Yeah, yes. uh, we like, we're not true millennials. We're we, frauds. Yeah, we remember we remember TV shows disappearing forever, and we're also very adept in YouTube. And mm. it's just I don't know. I love that. And but that does ruin it now. Of just like oh yeah, they just watch it on YouTube mm-hmm. or they'd find it somewhere. It, there's no lost episode of anything anymore. Yeah. That's how they sold things. Mr. Show again had their yeah. lost episode mm-hmm. joking about how there were always lost episodes of TV shows. Totally. There was the lost episode of Star Trek they'd never rerun or the lost episode Hunter, of Honeymooners. Honeymooners. Which is like a yeah. fucking half a season. Exactly. Yeah. All yeah. these lost episodes, but nothing is lost now. And that, and that itchy scratchy. Except some Doctor Who. They're, they're pretty lost. But that Mr. Uh, but that Merkin is, felt like such a Merkin y thing of. They'll never let it show that again. Like but, stating it so clearly, you'll never like, see this. Talking again. to the actual viewer of The Simpsons too, probably yeah, wanted to see that as well. I could, yes. I could be Bob quoting here, but the, both the animation and the kids. Oh yeah, and yeah. Then they, how Krusty burst from like a curtain, like twenty feet back into the camp, full face in the camera. Wow, it's the, it's some of the like, most animated you'll ever see. Yeah, Krusty. shooting up at the kids yeah. with their tongues darting out of their mouths and that yeah. great that great it's animation awesome. cycle. It's so good. And yeah, even the bad animation in this episode is actually some of my favorite. Homer holding the everybody else can keep yes. homer in the big hat with uh, with it uh, the, my favorite worst homer drawing is him holding that toast and just like going through four mouth movements it's like and we could all live together peacefully yes. right marge i feel that like that was a mistake and they probably could have fixed it if they had the money but yeah. homer in the hat was an intentional drawing made to be goofy that seems like <laughs> just an odd error the, yeah. the, the the pupils are in the wrong place i think there's like a cell that moved too much and or something just looks so bad i yeah. wonder if it looked even worse and they're just like we have three good mouth movements just rewrite a line it, it could have been that yeah cycle through it mm. i wouldn't be surprised but i love how i love how bad it is they got to get rid of the nerds they got to get them back into school why does they have to be zany i, I love, love that line i was gonna say that why does it have to be zany like That's a really good <laughs> yeah just uh just uh, someone questioning homer finally just talking to homer like what are you talking about why? can be elaborate or well played yeah it doesn't need to be zany but uh, and it's not zany it's but, it's a murder plot because right, i love it it ends up with a dean being run over by a car it's so mean it's, of homer. Yeah. it's the worst thing homer's his done respo- to this point this is not a prank this is attempted murder <laughs> well dean I'm really sorry for the running you over prank. Prank? And all those other pranks were my idea, too. I'm the one who should be expelled. Well, I'm touched by your honesty. And who knows, perhaps I've been a bit of an ogre myself. Yes, you have. How's this? I'll readmit your friends, and we'll forget this whole silly incident ever occurred. Oh, Dean, this is what your new hip is going to look like. 
Oh. <laughs> You're going to have to go easy on it. Oh, uh, so, so welcome to the the meanness of the Merkin era. It's it's a lot of fun, but it is kind of mean. The dean's life has been destroyed <laughs> yeah. by Homer. I mean, I've known people with hip replacements. It sucks. He'll be in their lives, pain the rest of his yeah, life. Yeah, I mean, their lives... It's good you can replace a hip, but it's not a great life after that, yeah. I, I know from my, my experience. My mom is a robot like below the labia. So like, oh, boy. <laughs> Barely get around. Does your but, mom? Okay, never. But Homer, <laughs> don't want to get into. It. But Homer's reply of uh, after that, just like, well, we wrapped up everything fine, and that's that is so. That to me is the meanest of the Simpsons writing from here on out. Like, I don't, we don't care if we give you an ending or not. Yeah. Well, that was that seemed them joking on in another sitcom. They would have said. Who cares that Homer graduated or not? We told a yeah. different story, and now the episode's over. And mm-hmm. then they're like, "No, the point." Like then they just smash you in the face. Like, no, the point of this was for him to graduate college, and he has. Marge is sort of like the sitcom ending police here. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he's trying to be coy about it. She's like, "Do you mean you hacked your grades with a computer?" Well, that's I, I love the. I, I love the montage of him studying because it's meaningless. Like, he yeah. fails because he's a fucking idiot. Like, the the cram doesn't work. And again, we must mention the, the test turning in animation of so him good. jauntily, like, slapping it down and skipping away. And clicking his heels like Archie, which I can't quote anymore because yeah. Riverdale exists. Yes. And Archie's too busy and fucking his teacher. fucks now. Also, Homer's punch of of uh, the Gary. Yeah. Me. Pretty that. savage. Yeah. Which, wasn't that a joke in uh, when they're training Krusty and he's slapping his cheek? That's the same Yeah, joke. the exact same yeah. joke. Joke, yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. Season five. Get it together. Arm afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, so then basically Marge says, no, you're not allowed to have this mean of an ending. She's pretty much the the fun police in this. <laughs> I like her. Marge gets a better turn at the end of the next episode, wrapping it up. In For this, sure. In this one, she basically has it's to It's an say, ending. No, no, no. No fun. Right, here we go. Man, I can't believe you failed. Oh, I'm going to lose my job just because I'm dangerously unqualified. Mr. Simpson, there is a way we could, well, use a computer to change your grade. (gasps) Computers can do that? Oh, yes. The only problem is the moral dilemma it raises, which requires... (laughs) (laughs) Moral what? Great reading. An A plus. How did you do it? Oh, let's just say I had help from a little magic box. You changed your grade with a computer? (laughs) Way to go, Dad. Look, the important thing is that we all learned a lesson. These guys learned the richness and variety of the world outside college. No, he didn't. Oh, then I learned the real value of college is to study and work hard. No, you didn't. You only passed your course by cheating, which you always taught us was wrong. Hmm. <laughs> oh, God. The, the changing your grades with a computer thing. Yeah. I grew up with computers and hack RARs. I don't know anybody who's ever done that. Well, because the college would first have to put your grades in a computer. Yeah, it, well, yeah. It, it's like, but it's a, it's a, it's a trope that's been around since fucking Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It was yeah, that's true. I don't know how he did and it. And like, I can't like, you know, someone doesn't know about computers when they make a joke about changing your grades. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's still a thing they're guilty of up to this day. Of like, computers are magic, right? They yeah. just are magic and do what you want. And uh, oh, sorry, we saw we saw this kind of ending in uh, Blood Feud, where it's mm-hmm. like uh, we're not learning anything; we're yeah. just going to end the show. Yes. I feel like Merkin would amp this up a lot because he hates learning in shows. He hates <laughs> you know morals and lessons. He loves just ending with no one learning anything, and that's how the show ends. Yeah. So 
technically Homer learned something and goes back to college, but that's just an excuse to have a Animal House montage. Yeah, and we assume he passes, but he could have just hacked his grades again and didn't tell March. I guess. I mean, in the Frank Grimes episode, I think it's established he is a college graduate. Yeah. So yeah. even though he's still as stupid as I, ever, I did want to call it out, but the idea that he has to pass one class in college and not oh yeah, that's college. right. It like, isn't even a college. Basically, the intro course to yeah, his dude. his job. Can you imagine being able to go to college for one class for one semester oh. and be able to be qualified for another better job? God, I life. want. I wish I could find. Maybe I should search more on the DVDs. I want to find those credits without the text because all those images are perfect. They're they great are. drawings. Maybe like, wonder because they are clearly drawings, and some of them like surpass what you would have seen animated. Yeah, so they, they had more to time to spend on one drawing. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it just made me wish, like, why don't more shows just like close out with things in the credits that never happen? Mm. <laughs> more animated shows. development does. They do. They do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Until they come true. Yeah. Boy, I think this is now our new longest episode ever. Let's Heck see. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Almost. We're gonna. Yeah, we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. I think. I think this will. This will be so it. So that. So that was an incredible start to the season. I, we needed half an hour to explain yes. David Merkin. I love this episode quite a yeah, lot. It's technically it is, the season premiere, even though next episode great. is. I think that the only thing that hurts it for me is just that I think Homer is just too mean. Like, it's so funny, but for the character of Homer, who I feel has a continuity between episodes, this is a Homer that is too cruel. But that's the only negative uh, I'd say. I love it. Homer at this at this at this setting i'm fine with it i love it they will dial him back a bit but he is as you said hank the indestructible idiot yes. uh in seasons five and six really pretty much yeah, yeah. but also that this defined nerd culture it really in in the realest way i'd seen it in tv to that point mm-hmm. because if you were a nerd and you see like revenge of the nerd you're like no you're clowns like yeah these guys are just losers they and don't have they're not funny they're yeah. losers they're just they don't losers. even seem particularly good at school no which really. is the kind of nerd i was <laughs> uh, i read a lot but i don't get good grades and say by the bell had no idea what nerds were uh. they were basically i i feel like i don't think this is controversial but i feel like there was some just like making fun of people with asperger's or autism or something when you watch yeah. this old say by the bells it's like these these are like special needs people, and they should be not mixing with uh, Jocks and Zach Morris, who will destroy them. Yeah, they're not smart. They're, yeah. they're just weirdos in Screech, the weirdest of them all. And that guy who talked like this. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. He had serious throat issues that should have been resolved. <laughs> but yes, this has been Talking Simpsons. I'm ending oh, on a joke uh, based on a horrible character no one remembers, so I'm sorry about that. But you can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. Mm-hmm. I will do the froggy say by the bell impression, uh, you know, on demand for you. And you can find me also on my other podcast, Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast that airs every Monday at retronauts.com. Please check it out. I also write for fandom.com and somethingawful.com. Everybody else, what do you do? H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter is my account, and you can find all my thoughts there. I also write for fandom.com alongside Bob. and Literally I, alongside me. Right next to you. Adjacent even. We aren't sick of each other yet. <laughs> and uh, also I do uh, still do a lot of stuff at Laser Time including this but this wouldn't be possible were it not for patreon.com slash laser time which is home to a bunch of great stuff including exclusive Simpsons content mm-hmm. like the entire first season and the season's wrap ups mm-hmm. of 2, 3, and 4 that four wow. that just went live and we did a ton of cool stuff on there 
it pays for this show like uh bob and i have full-time jobs we don't we don't necessarily collect from it but it pays for just the laser time network existing any mm-hmm. extra money you can give there is really helpful and just Thank for you. five dollars a month you get access to hundreds of hours of extra stuff of us talking yes helps us live all that stuff because because this show and the entire network is brought to you by uh, people like Margaret H. and other fine folks. Oh, thank you. Uh, who, who sponsor us at patreon.com slash laser time. Remember, an uncut exclusive show every week. Almost 100 com- full-length movie commentaries, video commentaries. If you're an animation fan, I try to show Bob some of it. The Danger Mouse drinking game. Danger Mouse <laughs> you, is trash. Where you try and drink every time the animators weasel out of drawing a mouth moving. <laughs> uh, it's, you will get hammered in 11 minutes. Trust me. It'll wow. work. It'll work. It's up there. Patreon.com slash laser time. They made those 30 drawings work, Chris, I gotta say. <laughs> we, we got a bunch of fun shows. We recently did our Oscar show. Hopefully Moonlight has won everything. Um, Hope so. And we, we introduced a dumb little experiment called Laser Time TV. You can find it at lasertimepodcast.com slash live right above our show schedules. But it's if, if, at 7 o'clock every night, why not watch an episode of Duckman or the Critic? Mystery Science Theater 3000 every night at 10, 12 o'clock. Wow. Tales from the Crypt. Movies in between and good ones right now as we're recording. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is playing. I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to get away with this. But it's a bunch of free content that's ad-free and uh, fun oh, and, and chat underneath. I see we're hosting some new content on there, a video series I really enjoy. Cartoons, Cartoons 101. Those are great videos, by the way. I've watched by, them several by times. fan of Laser Time, Matthew J. Yeah, Matt J. Well, well, no, he's, he's now integrated. He's part of the Laser Time gang. That's It'll great to hear. Up there on lasertimepodcast.com. I think every Friday, Matt, you can kick me in the dick if huh. I'm incorrect. Uh, but so much great stuff we got out there guys look at for it all and it, also if you're new to the show listen to that Bill Oakley podcast so good, we man. are so proud of it I it was it was amazing what a great job great guy I would love I would love to do it again at the end of the next season yeah, I hope we can it. yeah so thanks so much for listening we'll be back next week with Rosebud the Citizen Kane parody see you then infotainment.